No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today, we see where five Amorite kings join forces against the Gibeonites and Israel goes to war against them all. It was a day unlike any other when the sun stood still. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Joshua chapter 10 on Simply the Bible. Let me ask you a question. How big is your God? You know, I think many people suffer from what I call SGS, small God syndrome. Their God cannot perform miracles. He can't bend the natural laws that he created. Perhaps he started everything at one time long ago, but then he's like an absentee father who is never involved. That isn't the God I worship. The God I worship can do anything. Today, we encounter his miraculous powers in The Day the Sun Stood Still. Hopefully, it will build our faith. We pick it up in Joshua chapter 10. Now, it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Therefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Jephiah, king of Lachish, and Deber, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up, they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon, and made war against it. No doubt, when the other Canaanite kings heard that the king of Gibeon had made an alliance with Israel, they were very angry and considered the Gibeonites to be traitors. The king of Jerusalem gathered four other kings with him to attack Gibeon. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. Now the Gibeonites had deceived Joshua into making a peace treaty with them. But here they were doing the right thing in that they were taking refuge in the treaty that they had made. They believed Joshua at his word when he said that he would protect them and called to him for salvation and help from the enemy. This is especially interesting because Joshua is Hebrew for the Greek word Jesus. Both names mean Yahweh is salvation. Like the Gibeonites, we must take Jesus at his word. We call upon him for our salvation and help from our enemy, the devil. What joy 
peace and deliverance comes to those who take refuge in Jesus. Verse 7, so Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua, therefore, came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Now, I don't think God ever wastes words. If he told Joshua, do not fear them, then it was because Joshua was afraid. And who could blame him? I mean, he had fought one king at a time before, but five kings at once? So God told Joshua that he had already delivered them into his hand. I love that. When God says it's already done, it's a done deal. It was now the Lord who would be fighting for Israel. And sure enough, God routed the enemy before them so that the enemy ran from Israel. Likewise, if we trust in the Lord, then he will rout our enemy, the devil. The Bible says that if we resist him, he will flee from us. But that was not all. God also cast down large hailstones at the precise moment of the battle and aimed them to only hit the enemy of Israel. So that more people died from a crushing hailstone hitting them on the head than from the Israelite sword. Miraculous. God pulled from his hail storehouse for this battle. Because he told Job, have you entered the treasury of snow or have you seen the treasury of hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? I love this. God is a warrior and he's got hailstones that we don't even know about in his treasury in heaven. You see, God does have resources we don't even know about. Verse 12, then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aagelon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Now, what do you think? Did this really literally happen? There are some people who try to explain it away. But why? Couldn't God do this if he wanted to? Now, if the sun stood still for Joshua for an entire day, then there would have been 
a doubly long night on the other side of the world. It is fascinating that traditions exist from many parts of the world that speak of a long day or night or evening, depending upon the location, occurring about the same time that Joshua lived. Chinese history speaks of Yao, their king, declaring that in his reign the sun stood so long above the horizon that it was feared the world would have been set on fire. The time of Yao's reign corresponds with that of Joshua. In his book, Worlds in Collision, Emmanuel Velikovsky refers to ancient traditions of a long day or night. In the Mexican annals of Quotitlan, a cosmic catastrophe is described that occurred in the remote past where the night did not end for a long time. Other cultures have legends that correspond to this event. The Greeks have a myth of Apollo's son, Phaethon, who disrupted the sun's course for a day. And the New Zealand Maori people have a myth about how their hero Maui slowed the sun before it rose. Are all these accounts mere coincidence? But you say, well, how could this happen? God could have slowed the rotation of the earth down so that it made one full revolution in about 48 hours rather than 24. By gradually slowing it down and then gradually speeding it up again, this would have prevented cataclysmic events such as monstrous tidal waves or people feeling any sort of deceleration or acceleration. But I think the real question is, do we believe that God can do anything? I like what Warren Wiersbe writes in his commentary on Joshua. Why try to explain away a miracle? What do we prove? Certainly not that we're smarter than God. Either we believe in a God who can do anything, or we must accept a Christian faith that's non-miraculous. And that does away with the inspiration of the Bible, the virgin birth, and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis writes, The mind which asks for a non-miraculous Christianity is a mind in process of relapsing from Christianity into mere religion. Personally, I don't think I could worship a creator who is limited by the laws of his own creation. I believe a far more important point than how did this happen is what can we learn from it? I am impressed that Joshua had the faith in God and the conviction in the rightness of his cause that he would ask for such a thing. Was it even a prayer? Or was Joshua simply declaring his desire, not really thinking that it would happen? But then God, wanting to prove to Joshua that he can do anything for those who believe, gave Joshua the desire of his heart. Either way, I believe the lesson for us is that God honors faith. What miracles would God accomplish for us if we truly believe his promises, do what he says, and ask him in faith? Jesus told his disciples in Mark eleven twenty three, For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So I ask you, what mountains are in your life that need to be moved?
In James 4.2, we read, You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So maybe God won't give you the brand new Maserati to take children to Sunday school, but there are other things that God certainly would do through you if you claim his promises and go to him with the prayer of faith. May God help us to believe his promises and his ability to perform them. Orient ourselves to doing his will with all of our hearts and all of our might. And then pray for his divine power and resources to make it so. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you can do all things and that you have revealed to us your mighty power through your word. We pray for faith to believe in the promises you've made and that we would ask in faith for those mountains that are in our lives to be removed by your mighty power. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where Joshua and the children of Israel continue their military campaign and defeat seven kings in the Southland because the Lord fights for them. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Joshua on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.